da, 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 da. we're live welcome in everybody it's friday community forum i'm sorry we're a little late i was adjusting the title and the thumbnail because i'm a freaking youtuber now and something just ha happened uh the monroe live team just dropped a video about an hour ago and i was able to catch it right before i came on and hans hasn't watched it yet and i really think part of this uh community forum is for uh for those of us that haven't watched it yet is to watch that video because sandy monroe is somebody that has been uh, if you're not familiar with him he is an industry expert in the automotive field the monroe team over at monroe live uh if you have a chance producer wife bring up their youtube i have a link to the private chat um please go make sure you subscribe to their channel because it is uh, a phenomenal resource and if you're familiar with the tesla story recently uh, you know that tesla lowered their pricing um last week hans how long has it been now Something like that? Yeah, yeah, last yeah. week. Uh, last week. And um, he just dropped a video, Sandy, literally about an hour ago that I, I want Hans to react to. I saw it, and uh, I, and I want us to sort of watch that. So before we even do that, um, Hans is a member of our community, and uh, Fridays we do community forums. Uh, today is just the two of us, but that's okay because we're going to – have a lot to talk about <laughs> yeah so if i have one person or 10 people uh i'm just grateful to have folks that are part of the community that are willing to come on live with me so thank you hans for joining me uh i'm really looking forward to uh speaking with you today likewise yeah man um all right so actually let's just go ahead and and, and react to uh sandy's video right away so hans hasn't watched it yet i gave him a like one little tidbit from the video to kind of get him prepped as to why this video is kind of um uh, it, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal. And uh, if you haven't watched it in the comments yet, feel free to jump off this video and go watch it on their on their YouTube so that they get the you know they get the views and the and the you know whatever monetization and stuff because they deserve every penny they they earn. I can't believe their stuff is free to be completely honest. But yeah. let's go ahead and play the video. And um, maybe I'll have you pause from time to time, producer wife or if, Hans. If you want to pause it anywhere, maybe like give a wave or something. And then so we okay. can react and to I'm what gonna was take just notes said. as we go along and then for the audience um i do have an engineering degree but i haven't been a practicing engineer so i will call me the pseudo engineer on the panel today and uh but yeah i have watched almost everything that um monroe live has ever put out so i do have a lot of context as to where sandy and team are going to be coming from here fantastic okay all right and then um yeah let's go ahead and did you you may i'm guessing you made sure that the audio is on when you sh share a screen uh producer wife so go ahead and uh play the video and uh let's react new graphic okay <clears throat> let me just <clears throat> get straightened around here hey boys and girls uh welcome back to mineral live uh, today I'm with Corey, and what we're going to do is <laughs> uh, dispel a few of the things that um, I wouldn't say they're nasty grams, but I don't like to be told that really I don't know what I'm talking about. Or let me rephrase that. We don't know where we're talking about. And this is regarding the Tesla, <clears throat> uh, the Tesla drop in price. So what I want to do is I, I want to discuss a little bit about how we get what we get. This and this and this and more. And there's two more of these things. I couldn't find it. But anyways, there's two more of these things 
And if you look inside, guess what? I have the price of every detail, every screw, every nut, bolt, little teeny tiny plastic uh, ca uh, injection molding, every, castings. Every chip. This is an actual, we're gonna, we look at each board and look at every chip to do a bill of material for all the circuit boards as well. So um, some um, uh, very knowledgeable guy, I guess, um, he put out some stuff about how he and his friend sat down in an afternoon and on the back of an envelope or a napkin, they, they figured out how much everything's gonna cost at Tesla. Really? Really? That's the guy I don't want doing my taxes. I don't want any accountant telling me that, oh yeah, your, your taxes are about $10,000 or 2,000. Oh, maybe I'll pull another number out of my and I'll give you that. At the end of the day, we know exactly how much everything costs. And we also know what things normally people buy from the outside and what Tesla is making because they're vertically integrated. I don't get too upset too often, but all we really sell is integrity. Corey and I will talk to you all day long about what we can do and how we can do it. And we have real numbers to back it up, not a bunch of characters that somehow, even though they don't drive, they have no idea what goes inside a factory, don't have, never worked on a design of any kind of a product ever in their whole life, I don't even know how many products I've, I've, I've helped design. I can tell you for sure though, I'm getting worked up. So Cor I'm yeah. gonna, Corey, I'm going to And our numbers aren't static. So when we got the Tesla Model 3 in 2018, we costed at that point in time with the numbers that the world had for material costs and manufacturing costs. When we did the Model Y in 2020, things had started to change. When we updated our model for the 2022 Model Y, we even took in some of the inflationary factors. Right. Yeah. So what's really important is you can't take numbers from a point in time in 2018 or even 2015 and just extrapolate or interpolate. You have to continually refine our craft. And that's what we do here at Monroe and Associates. Yeah. We have a team of nearly 100 people that that's what we are doing. We right. have our pulse on the wiring industry. We have our pulse on the materials that go into castings everything, the machinery costs, the labor rates in different countries. Even, even the suppliers of uh, like IDRA um, and, um, and all. Yeah, and so let me, when he's saying that they have their pulse on what's going on in all of these industries, it's not just they're keeping track of it. They are literally doing consultation work for people in maybe not all of these industries, but at least a good number of them. And so these are their direct customers. They have direct relationships with these people um, that are in these industries. And so they're, the pulse that he's talking about that they have is not some third party at a distance pulse like they're directly involved and they know what they're talking about yep thanks keep going oh you want to keep going producer wife there we go oh we had to bring in uh uh rodman what's up brother hey how's it going everybody all the Good. other different suppliers of uh of machine tools and whatnot we have everything when we give you a number it's dead accurate there's no, there's no uh, room for anything, for any kind of a, uh, a, a wiggle. And we do it in a conservative way. In other words, 
<clears throat> we know that Tesla is getting aluminum cheaper than everybody else. And the reason for that is because a long time ago, they made deals with the aluminum companies and they use special aluminums, aluminums that only have their alloys in them. However, in order to keep it light and lively, um, we kind of like use what you can get off of uh, the normal uh, aluminum uh, that market, would be sold. Yeah. yeah, the aluminum market is uh, volatile. It goes up and down a lot. However, if you make a long-term commitment to an aluminum company, you get it at a different rate. And we know that. So what I'm going to give you are the conservative numbers we have right now. But I know, I absolutely flat out know that Tesla is probably looking at 40% gross profit. And because they don't do any, by the way, the general uh, accepted number for marketing and sales of a vehicle is a, not sales, but marketing of a vehicle is probably somewhere around 600 bucks. The other number that you see that is kind of like uh, different than everybody else is how much they have to pay the dealerships. They don't pay any dealerships. Now they've got the, uh, service, the center. service centers and stuff like that. But that's peanuts in comparison. And quite frankly, service centers can make you money. Yeah, and, and Sandy, <clears throat> dealerships, in the state of Michigan, what are some of the richest uh, private companies? Not in? some of the, the richest. The richest companies in, in Michigan are typically dealership networks. That's correct. I don't want to name them, but if you look at, at you know medium-sized businesses or privately-owned businesses, it's dealership network, dealership network, dealership network, dealership can, network. Can you stop it there? Where did they get all of those hundreds? Okay, so two things that I that I heard so far, and and just with full transparency, I did watch the video before I came on. Hans hasn't watched it yet. Rodman, did you watch this video yet? You haven't. Okay, so we have two people reacting to, to it fully. So the two things that jumped out so far for me is forty percent gross profit, which I'm I I know from the video this is after like <laughs> it's after the price cuts, and then there is an um embedded profit siphoning sort of thing that has been happening in the auto market for what's now 100 years. It sounds like that you have a dealership structure that has been holding essentially auto manufacturers hostage in a way to be able to really bring their prices down to a level where the manufacturer can make a bunch of money and they can make uh, and call it an affordable vehicle for the masses. In other words, the by the dealership networks existing, they are preventing the net cost of a vehicle to be as low as possible for the consumer. Did you guys have any comments on what's been said so far? Do you guys want to keep watching the video? It's, it's completely up to you. You can keep going or we can uh, throw in a reaction if you'd like. So nobody's coming off mute. Okay, keep on going. Ba -ba -da -da hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe near billions of dollars, if they're a large conglomerate, it's from pulling that, that cash right. off of the price of the vehicle right. for the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Exactly. And so we look at these numbers and we say, okay, Tesla sold uh, a vehicle for $49,000. Okay, that's what the sticker price is. But Tesla gets extra revenue. If you wanna buy full self-driving, that's another 10 grand, 15, grand, 15 grand now, 15 grand. That's clean, pure profit. Does that show up in the, in the sale? No, it doesn't. But that's where my 40% is coming from. And it may be even more than that. 
Tesla is rolling in dough. I don't know where they hide it or how they do what they do, but I can tell you right now, I work for several different big automotive companies in Europe, in Japan, and here in the United States. And I can tell you what, nobody can do that. Nobody, absolutely nobody. So I'm gonna read off some stuff that Jordan gave me just a few minutes ago. This is the uber conservative numbers that he came up with, uber conservative. And I'm blind because of that light. I cannot read a damn thing. Can you read that? Read it. <clears throat> I wanna know, it's 31% and 33%, right? So we got 31% gross margin on a 2018 Tesla Model 3 long range rear wheel drive pre-heat pump. And then we have a 33% gross margin on a 2022 Model Y um, with a heat pump. That's based on a vehicle price that's in line with the price cuts. Yeah, it's that, the, it's the, yes, exactly right. Can so you pause it real quick and, and say, go back okay, to that frame that where they had those charts uh, up for me? Uh, back a little bit more yeah right there back a little bit further there perfect okay so let, let's make sure we digest this correctly so we have a uh, 2018 tesla model 3 long range real wheel drive uh at a price of uh starting at forty nine thousand. uh monroe's estimating that car from that time cost tesla thirty three thousand dollars and the fifteen thousand dollars additional that they charge the Tesla charge to get up to the forty nine thousand is what what they took back as profit, which is that thirty five fifteen thousand four hundred, which makes it thirty one percent. So thirty one percent of the total price is what's called gross margin, and so they're making fifteen thousand. Now this is a twenty twenty two Tesla Model Y, which is a fifty eight thousand nine nine hundred and ninety. And I'm trying to find, let me see what this spec is. So I'm, I'm pulling up the order now page just to hone in exactly what they're looking at here. So. So I have a Model Y long range. Uh, I'm seeing 52.9. Um, and I'm trying to find one that's 50, 58.9. So maybe they're assuming some level of, I don't know, uh, additional order take rate when it comes to options, tow hitch, maybe the performance model is 56.9, it's a little bit closer. What do you think, Rodman? Yeah, I was just going to say the, the performance is already 56. So yeah, OK. You're really cool. soft, by the way. Your mic's super soft. Yeah, it's very hard uh, to hear you. Uh, yeah, is that better? A little bit better, yeah. Okay, I'll turn up the gain. Yeah, that's much better. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, I was just saying the 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 model the performance is fifty six, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think this is just out of date. But like, even if you chop off, like it's down to fifty two nine ninety starting. Yep. So, like, even if you chop six thousand off of that, right? So that's a thirteen thousand. Yeah, thirteen, fourteen thousand, mm -hmm. which is still off of forty thousand. You're still talking, what, like? Yeah. So 25%. let me do the math real quick here, right? So nineteen five, nineteen five minus uh, six thousand bucks, call it, uh, and then that's divided onto. Uh, what a 52 it would really be on 52.9 on the new price right because it would yeah. be thirteen thousand dollar profit on so it'd be 52.9 so then it's about 20 so that would be 26 percent margins if the estimated monroe cost holds steady it's 25 percent margin on the model y long range all-wheel drive specification if the monroe estimated costs are correct um go ahead hans 
Yeah, they're they're referring to the specific Model Y that they tore down in 2022, and that's I think that that's the price. The 58,990 was probably the price that that Model Y was that they tore I down see. at the point that they tore it down. So this is you know all of these numbers are going to be based on work that they did, and so they did tear down a Model Three in 2018. And so that's why you're, they're going to compare things that are not necessarily apples to apples because they didn't have a twenty, you know, a Model Y to tear down in 2018. Uh, I think they did tear down a subsequent Model Three eventually, but I think the the Model Y is the most recent, um, the most recent thing that they tore down besides the S Plaid, which they're obviously not going to throw up here for comparison. So, do we know if this is the Model Y long range all wheel drive, the one on the right? Do they say? I can't remember if they said I was trying to look. Um, go back, a, go back a few seconds, uh, producer wife, and uh, play that section again for us. Yeah, like right there. So we or got go, go back a little bit more. Gross conservative. Yeah, right there. And I'm blind because of that light. I cannot read a damn thing. Can you read? Oh, Sandy, get your glasses. <clears throat> I want to know. It's 31 percent and 33 percent, right? So we got 31 percent gross margin on a 2018 Tesla Model 3 long range rear wheel drive pre-heat pump. And then we have a 33% gross margin on a 2022 Model Y um, with a heat pump. That's based on a vehicle price that's in line with the price cuts. Yeah, it's, the, it's the, yes, exactly right. So we look at that and we say, okay, pause okay it. that's number number. Okay, so it's got to be long-range all-wheel drive because I believe that's really the only only spec that Tesla had for the last two years, really, in the United States to purchase and the performance, mm -hmm. right? So is that a safe assumption, would you say? I think so. Yeah. So then if, if, we, if you go back to that chart again, producer wife, real quick. So let's see a little bit further along. Perfect. So 39,393. So 39,393. So I'm taking the Monroe estimated cost, and I'm going to go ahead and share my screen, uh, producer wife as well. So if you can bring up my screen, that would be great. Um, so we have what the Model Y long range is now. Let me make this bigger so you all can see what stupid math I'm doing. So 29.9, and if we assume that this cost is somehow is is somewhere around the same, it's actually probably lower wow. because because of deflation and all that stuff. On that uh, cost from that 2022 model they tore down, uh, the Model Y long range all-wheel drive is at 26% margins with the price decrease. With the mm -hmm. price decrease, okay? Um, if you assume, I don't know, like say this is, I don't know, 5% less uh, from deflation for the last year, then you're up to 30%, almost 30% margins, right? So depending on how much Tesla is able to bring down this cost for the Model Y through Berlin uh, scaling, Austin scaling, then that 39 suddenly turns into something less than 39. I think that's probably a safe assumption to make, which uh, assumes a almost 30% margin for the Model Y long range all-wheel drive without any additional options from its base price. Um, so I just wanted to outline that for all of us to be on the same page. So even with these price decreases, if Monroe's costs are somewhat accurate and our assumptions are somewhat accurate, Theoretically, Tesla could be making still 30% margins on the Model Y long range all wheel drive. So I think this might actually be the standard standard range, uh, standard range, wait, 
standard way in all wheel drive. So can I share my screen? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, so present, share screen. Did it have a standard range all wheel drive for us? I They had a 4680 pack and uh, structural giga casting. So I think they might have gotten one of the few of the giga Austin they, made uh, they model wise. Yeah, they tear they tore that one down and then they pulled all the cells out, right? So Okay. So Yes, yeah, okay. so I think you're right. I think that is the only thing that, that was was the standard range. Yeah. The the forty six eighty pack 46, model 80. Y was just a yeah, yeah, standard range model Y. That's okay. right. So if you zoom in on the model Y part, uh, maybe I can do that. Uh, let me do that. So Yeah, if you do the the three dots and you do like the zoom, oh, you can do that too. Yeah, whatever that is. So I think that's this guy, and I this okay. is from July twenty twenty two, and then okay. yeah, this these are the months that I was actually tracking, but something like that. Even okay. though did his was his price fifty eight, but I, I guess it's pretty close. Fifty eight. Uh, it's about about the same. So we think it's that forty six eighty standard range car that they broke down that they're saying it's uh, thirty nine thousand cost. Okay. Yeah. That would be my assumption. I could definitely be wrong there. But like if I go back here to like March 22, like even back here in March 2022, the price of the long range is already 63. So like the last time, like the earliest I've checked is 53,990. And that was back in September of 2021. Yeah. So, okay. Anyway. So it would be interesting to know like, and and I don't know if there's something we can come up with in the video or maybe if somebody's watching could let us know where we could figure this out, but how much more the cost of the model Y long range all-wheel drive would be than the cost of the one they tore down with like sort of the initial 4680 ramp. Um, I mean, I'm assuming the 4680, the one they tore down is probably a little bit cheaper than the model, y, model Y long range all-wheel drive, probably by a couple thousand, which would bring down the, the gross margin closer to 20% on the base sort of model Y long range. But um, all right, let's keep uh, watching the video and then uh, see what else uh, is said here. And then we'll keep going. Tesla Model 3, long range, rear wheel drive, pre-heat pump. And then we have a 33% gross margin on a 2022 Model Y um, with a heat pump. That's based on a vehicle price that's in line with the price cuts. Yeah, it's that, the, it's the, yes, exactly right. So we look at that and we say, okay, that's number num uh, That's the first number. And, and 31 and 33% is the first number. The second number is what's the add-on, the second bite of the apple, and in some cases, the third and fourth bite of the apple that Tesla gets and nobody else gets. 15 plus a couple of grand, plus a couple of grand, plus a couple of grand. And there's no cost in here, none whatsoever. Elon puts out a little tweet and says, hey, you want to get full self-driving? It costs this much. You want to get this? Want to get that? It costs this much. Want to get some of these features and functions? Want to get some of the swag that comes along with it? This much, that much. Who gets that? Nobody. Nobody. 600 bucks. Remember, I told you a second ago, $600 is what you pay for marketing of a car, and they don't have to do it. So when you look at gross margins for a normal car, you basically say, I started with, uh, let's say somebody out there has got 30%, which they don't, 30% <clears throat> margin. You'd whack it, and you'd wind up at the end of the day with about 3 or 4% net profit. 
How much does Tesla make in net profit? Take a wild guess. If you're less than 20%, you're a fool. You don't know what you're talking about. That's the starting point. Now you go on top of it. So when I said that Tesla could cut their profits in half and still make more money than any car company on the planet, I am not kidding you. And if you, if you don't believe that, <clears throat> ask the guys over at VW with the ID4. The ID4 now is $4,000 more expensive than a Model Y. Who in the hell is going to buy the Model Y, or sorry, who's going to buy an ID4 if I can get a Model Y with the best charging systems on the planet, with all the right things going for it, with the fact that they're probably going to beat everybody to full self-driving eventually. <clears throat> and anyway, I'm, I'm starting to rattle on. Why don't you take over? Yeah, so this has been a big topic this week, <clears throat> and I want to thank Farzad. He had me on his channel earlier, I think a yeah. couple days ago. We had an hour and 30-minute conversation, particularly on some of these topics. We truly do know what things cost. And a lot of people will <clears throat> essentially talk based off of yes. a napkin. Yes. Um, anybody who's ever seen a pet detective, uh, I, I wanted to do it all by myself when he started talking about talking through your And he, yeah, but they won't let me do that here. Um, apparently it's degrading and the woke people will get all upset and stuff like that. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do the talking through my thing. But... If you go to Jim Carrey, who's, you know, kind of like a Hollywood guy, and you go to Pet Detective and you go hit and see him, he talks through his And that is precisely what I'm getting when I see people, Some <laughs> the last one, I could not delete the email fast enough. I, I, I can't believe that people can be so incredibly stupid and they're the ones who are telling the market what to do. What are you kidding me? Are you joking? This is the best move that Tesla could possibly make. They will eliminate, annihilate their competition because their cars are cheaper than anybody else can make them. And now they're cheaper than that. How is anybody going to be able to compete? At the end of the day, <clears throat> the 40% uh, the is what I'm going to roll with because I believe that that's probably what they're going to have, maybe even more than that. And, uh, and I believe that if they don't make 20% actually on that, <clears throat> that they might make even more like 22, 23%. Now, I have a question. Profit. Cyber yeah. truck. <clears throat> cyber truck. Not just okay. the semi. Right. What do you think on the cyber truck? Pause okay. it for a second. So yesterday. Because it's going to be a whole different thing. 40%. So Sandy, so you guys tell me if I heard this wrong. So mm -hmm. Sandy's saying that after these price decreases and with Tesla's economies of scale, and with Tesla's ability to upcharge the customer at zero cost with uh, options and full self-driving and stuff, he thinks that Tesla should be able to achieve 40% margins and 20% plus net income margins. Um, did I hear that correctly? Yeah, and it's not just FSD. It's also like the performance enhancement upgrades and all of those software locked features that um, don't get a whole lot of attention within the Tesla community. Other Drivers talk about how much they love it but we don't really focus too much on how much that income flows directly through into net profits. Okay. So, so what do you guys think of that statement from Sandy just now? I think it's reasonable. So if you say 
$15,000 is what they're charging for FSD, which I don't think is going to be what they charge. And I don't know what Sandy is anticipating for the terminal rate of the value of FSD. But if we take it at $15,000 and we look at the prices of the Model Y and the Model 3, that right there is... Um, you know, it was $19,000 worth of profit on the Model Y. Well, $15,000 would almost double that, not quite. Um, and that was 33% margin. So, you know, he's he's assigning most of that value, that 40% is derived from sales, I, I would anticipate. I mean, maybe, I don't know. It also depends on what his assumptions are for take rate. But uh, don't misinterpret Sandy to mean that he's expecting... 25 to 30% gross margins without those software sales. So it could be somewhere in the 15 to 20 to 22, 23% gross margin range um, before FSD and, and performance. Okay. Uh, Rodman, any, any sort of thoughts what you have heard so far? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just taking me back to like your conversation with Corey. Um, I think one of his points that like I was kind of a little bit like not unsure about at least was like Corey saying that like Model S and Model X, since they have such high profit margins because they're such like, you know, the price of those cars, the cost of goods is higher, but like it's disproportionately higher to how much they charge for them but I just feel like it's such a small percentage of the mix that like that part stands out to me. Um, as far as anything that's been said today, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, like we won't know until we see actual numbers. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, I think, I think all the theory is good. I mean, like the price is going to be dropping. They have a very clear idea about what each of those prices are. And we expect that Tesla will continue reducing prices. And we do expect some pressures from like the input costs to go up. Well, we just don't know, right? Because like, mm -hmm. we don't know if those inflation prices. And uh, I think also Tesla has said that it does take time for those to roll through to their lines too, right? So yeah. even though price, the spot price might be down today, but it may not roll through in their supply chain but it, yeah, exactly. it works in reverse as well um that was one of the great videos this week that matt smith did with brad ferguson and they were talking about how when they were backing into model to tie it out to gross margins in q3 that what they realized was that the asps were indicating that a lot of the price increases that we've seen hadn't really flowed through and so like there is this lag time in asp in a quarter since uh, one of the points that they made was there was a i don't know what the uh, fleet buyer was but they took delivery of like a thousand teslas in the quarter and they took them at prices from i think early 2022 if not no, it may have even been ordered in like 2021. And so they were like significantly reduced prices that they were finally being delivered. Um, and so, yeah, basically because Tesla has such a large number of orders and then they have such large contracts with their suppliers, 
their cost of goods sold and their ASP mix is going to be much more. It's like we're looking at these spikes or decreases that are very sudden and instantaneous in either pricing or whatever, but you know, their actual cost and their actual um, margins are going to be much more like a weighted average over a long period of time that is much harder to drastically increase or reduce in any one month, two month, quarter to quarter uh, type, type time frame. Yeah. 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 I think the, the really, this quarter four report, I, I really believe it's going to give us so much insight into how Q1 and the future quarters are going to shake out. Because if it really does, if, if there really was a situation where a lot of the increased pricing wasn't taken until very recently and say like tail end of Q3 into Q4, then that, that should imply a pretty severe margin increase in Q4 in some respects, or at least a, 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 some sort of modest increase in the face of the different um, pricing incentives that Tesla had towards the end of the quarter. So there should be like there should be like a surprise on the upside for the margins. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, then then theoretically that we should deduce how Q1 and onwards margin impact is going to be based on that Q4 report. Uh, if we see that, I mean, whatever happens, right? If it goes lower, yeah. that to me is like a red flag that says, okay, what's going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, like, okay, so where is that increased pricing that they were taking? So that that to me means is that customers are actually going down market in their trims. So they're not buying your performances. They're not buying your long ranges. They're buying the lower ex- mixed products. Go ahead. So I do expect ASP to reduce into Q4, Mm. but maybe not as much as it would have because it's more of a function of model mix. And as they continue to ramp model Y and model three, that is going to put a lot of downward pressure on ASPs. um, Even if those model three and model Y cars are now being sold at increased prices relative to Q3. And so I think that will override the ASP, but they should be tailwinds. So you might see increasing gross margins on decreasing ASPs. Right. Um, if that's the case. Got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> producer wife in the private chat. The real question is, when do we get a secret fridge tour of Hans? <laughs> we'll save that for bonus content for Patreon. Just kidding. That's for Hans's freaking channel. Come on now. Uh, exactly. All right. Any more comments before uh, Cybertruck? We, we hit Cybertruck here from Sandy. Yeah, yeah, I think what you guys said is like right on. Like this will be a good point of reference make predictions about uh q1 but like we're really just not gonna like you can make as many guesses as you want but we'll probably all be wrong so (laughs) the one thing that i did want to say actually was just that um i put a lot more stock in sandy's 40 percent prediction on gross margin than anybody on wall street and that includes awesome people like pierre fergu and Adam Jonas um, and all those guys. Adam Jones, yeah, like some of the people that are really good. Gary Black. They're decent, <laughs> but yeah, they don't know the actual cost structure of things soup to nuts like Sandy does. And I'm sorry, someone who has worked with the experience that Sandy has from tool and die making as a kid all the way up through a car manufacturer, like he knows inside and out what goes into how these cars get made and then also all the politics. And so when he's talking about people talking out their butts and doing stupid things, it's because he's witnessed it up close and personal a bunch of times. And he 
obviously has disdain for people, which reflects the fact that that's not what he's doing. Like he knows that there's a way to go about understanding the cost of these products. And he has disdain for people who are trying to say, this is what it costs who haven't done the due diligence necessary to say exactly. that with any sort of rigor. And and he has the credibility too to do that, yeah. right? Because he was one of the very first ones that openly shat on the Model 3 with that initial build. He's like, this is a piece of junk. And then he yeah. went in the internals, is like, except for the internals, which are inc like literally state of the art. And now I see why Tesla is going to be super successful. And I think his track mm -hmm. record of describing what is going to happen to Tesla in the long term has been the most accurate out of anybody covering Tesla, period, because Absolutely. he knows he knows what's in the car <laughs> down yeah. to the nuts. That makes sense. That's a very valuable resource for folks that are looking to uh, potentially invest in the company, not financial advice. But um, yeah, Sa Sandy and Corey, Corey, especially Corey is, I think, extremely underrated. Sandy's a legend, but Corey, mm -hmm. man, he's he's phenomenal. Those two are, are really a gift yeah. to the investing community, period. Forget Tesla investing, the right. investing community, period, especially in the auto market. Um, that's awesome. All right. Uh, keep going. Good. Cybertruck. All right. Let's do it. Yesterday, Corey and I um, uh, pulled a number out of our butts. Um, and my number was 35%. Corey didn't tell me his. I said 35%. What did you say? I said 37 when Prozad <clears throat> asked me the same question a few days ago. Yeah. I and, and I had a ton of qualifiers. I said, first of all, we don't have the vehicle yet. Yeah. I haven't. I have, we haven't costed it. Uh, I don't know what the model mix will be. So you're going to have the quad motor, the tri motor, the dual motor. How big is the battery pack? That model mix is highly dependent on the average transaction cost, not transaction price, and the transaction price. So with my rough math, I figured out what that mix would be for cost and price, and I came to about 37%. So here's the thing. Anytime you've got a truck, you're going to pay more money. And there's way more profit in it. If you don't think for a second that uh, that Ford's move to uh, electrify the F-150 wasn't the most brilliant move by any automotive company apart from Tesla, <clears throat> any company in, uh, in the world, you're out of your mind. Ford made a genius move with the F-150, genius. And, um, and I can tell you for sure uh, that, uh, that they are moving faster on electrification than any of the other OEMs that we know of none of them are coming out as fast with as many different versions as they possibly can. This, these guys are, are they're, they're survivor. Tesla, Tesla will clobber everybody except for the Chinese. The only reason there is that um, even though they've reduced their costs and whatnot, there is a, a stigma that was created by our own <coughs> government um, and uh, now Americans are losing favor in the eyes of other parts of the world, China being the, the one in particular. So they're, they're probably not going to be able to eclipse them. But, but remember, Tesla is running at a 40-second station, uh, uh, station time. That is phenomenal. Nobody in the U.S., none that I know of. <clears throat> Everybody goes uh -oh. to about 60, and that's about it. They're doing 40 seconds. Every 40 seconds, Another car is coming off the line. Nobody's got that. I believe that. I believe that that's why they're talking to Indonesia. I was kind of hoping that they'd go to China, uh, sorry, Canada, but uh, but Indonesia makes a lot of sense as well. They'll be able to dump into the rest of uh, the uh, the uh, Asian 
Asian world, as it were. It'll be a little a little less expensive there. Awesome. Today's video right. is brought to you We're by good. Enhance and their Thank you. Tesla sec. And then the rest of it is uh, is uh, the Monroe team um, sort of plugging some stuff. Please go to uh, Monroe Live's channel uh, if you haven't subscribed yet. Make sure you go. I encourage you to go rewatch that video as well. There's just a there is a lot in there. I, I really think for like the next three to five years, I think uh, the Sandy Sandy Corey and the Monroe team has have really given us what they think is the roadmap on how to think about Tesla in the next three to five years, how to think about the auto market in the next three to five years, and some of the uh, financial implications from Tesla getting to, you know, launching the Cybertruck at 35, 37% margins. And uh, Tesla potentially running at 40% margin uh, from their vehicle perspective. The fact that Ford appears to be uh, go moving as quickly as humanly possible, which I think that in itself has a lot of data points because if you view the Mark Mach E launch and the ramp, and if that's them going as fast as humanly possible, when you compare it to how the Model Y has ramped in parallel, you get a lot of information there. We can get into that. But anyway, uh, Hans, what are your thoughts on the Cybertruck and whatever else was said there? Um, yeah, I'm surprised at his uh, conviction in how fast Ford is moving. That's good to see. You know, I hope that they are successful moving forward and hopefully they're moving quick on the back end. The part where he talked about a 60 second station time, that there's a, a car coming off the line every 40 seconds for Tesla. And then the best that competitors are doing is 60 seconds. That's huge. That's you're producing one and a half cars for every car that a traditional OEM. And so however you want to measure that in CapEx or footprint or whatever, there's a lot that goes into that. Can I um, can I kind of like put that within context without a compact car? Yeah, that's without a compact car exactly, and that is it. Just goes back to reinforce Elon's point about long term. Our competitive advantage, our moat, will be we're going to be the best people in the world at manufacturing, and um, yeah. So they already are that in the automotive industry, based on that metric. And then we can look at it as far as EVs there. Yeah. Their efficiency and capital spend versus manufacturing capacity far eclipses. You know, this is the ROIC um, work that like Pierre Fergu and some other people have done showing that, yeah, not only are they exceptional at producing the cars once they have manufacturing capacity in place, but they're best in class at, getting that manufacturing capacity installed as efficiently as humanly possible. Rodden? Yeah, I mean, I, I can echo all that. Um, I guess maybe the thing I'm thinking about is like, where, where is there anything, are there any flaws in the argument? Um, where are we not, where are there holes or where are there potential issues? And yeah. I guess that's probably a harder question. Well, the, the the way I think about it is like, if I look at how the traditional, call it analyst media, the bear side, everybody who sort of is uh, what, in my opinion, are looking at this at a surface level. And and if you were on the one space, I listened to the recording, uh, which, you know, Ross Gerber and um, uh, Gordon Johnson uh, got for a debate 
uh, together for a debate yesterday, which happened to be my birthday. And it was like a great Beth birthday gift from both of them. So thank you very much. It got very um, contentious and um, emotional, but I, they, they both know what they're doing, obviously. So so props to both of them. But um, the, the, the common analysis which comes out of the bear side, so the Gordon side, is like, Tesla dropped their prices 13 to 14%, which means that their margins will drop 13, like they will drop by, uh, uh, you know, 1300 basis points or 1400 basis points. They will go from 28% margin to 14% margin. That's not how economies of scale work. And and this is like, I don't know why it's so hard for people to, to grasp this concept or they're not, or they're simply seeing a data point and they're just plopping it down and they don't have the wherewithal to actually understand what it means that when you lower the price, you ship more units and you ship more units through a factory with fixed cost. And the more units you ship through a fixed cost structure, your cost per unit goes down. It's right. just math. And I don't know why. I don't understand why this narrative has taken hold. Right. I just truly don't understand. Now, one could make the argument. Sure. You could have a situation where Tesla's margins do go down. They go down from 28% to 22%. They go down from 28% to 20%, or in the best case scenario, to 24%, right? But it doesn't go down to 14%. That's just literally mathematically impossible, unless unless Tesla is so bad at scaling that they've already baked in all their costs, and as they ship more units out the factory, their costs go up in proportion in proportion to how much they've lost, which I, I've never seen a company company in the history of manufacturing where that applies to, especially if the company is 100% focused on manufacturing. <laughs> so, right. and, and that's that's where I'm having a tough time grasping. Like, I can't take the bear side seriously. I really can't. Like, those bears that say that, I'm like, I, dude, like, you're just not doing math. You simply, you're just grabbing a number and, th- and just assuming like what Sandy was saying, just grabbing it out of their butts and just throwing it into the air and it just smells like a fart because it is, because <laughs> it is, because it is a fart, you know? So, um, so it, it becomes a question of what, what is Tesla's ability to, sh- how many units can they ship with this new pricing and what does that mean for earnings? That's, that's really, I think I believe is the right, is the right lens to look through. What does it mean when if Tesla can reach capacity of say two million cars per year, which is what how much capacity they've built in now, and if the new pricing they have in place gets them to two million cars per year at say twenty three percent margin, if you sit down and do the math, that implies more profits, more earnings in twenty twenty three versus twenty twenty two. And then Hans and I were talking about this before we went live. The market has dropped their estimations for twenty twenty three by thirty forty percent for earnings, but this implies that there is actually a growth in earnings, and you're not even talking about full self driving or energy, right? So like where 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 is this discussion in 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 mainstream media? Where is this discussion outside of this like or are we really that stu- or am I really that stupid? Am I really that dumb? Right? That, that I'm making no sense and I'm on hopium and I I literally don't understand how to use yeah. an Excel spreadsheet, right? So that's where my head is at with this whole thing. Yeah. Think- the other oh, thing not to forget is insurance that you know we haven't talked about yet that now I know that's kind of baked into the current margin structure but as far as long-term value of a vehicle if you can get even 10 15 20 percent take rate on insurance in your fleet over the lifetime of the vehicle you can actually make really good money on on selling insurance which i know used to be a big talking point in the community but it's something that we've kind of lost focus on here in the bearish run that we've had over the past few months yeah 
Robin, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking like there's like, I used to do a thing where I would just look for green flag. I would set green flags and red flags, things that I want to see and things I don't want to see. And like the one that I'm trying to think about is like, what other models do they need or, or could be put in place if they have, like if there isn't enough demand at the current prices, right? So is it worth bringing back a Model Y rear wheel drive standard range where they, you know, they cut another 1500 to three to $4,000 out because they don't have that front motor, which as Corey said is cheaper, but it does add cost, right? So that is a sign to me that like if that car comes out, like, and they start putting it up on the EPA website and start testing it again, like that's a sign that like they need it. Right. But it's also a sign, which is sort of a red flag, but it's also a green flag. And that like, maybe that opens up like a new, like a new model that like allows them to sell like whatever expanded capacity that they have. Um, it's just a matter of how soon that is. So like the longer it takes for that car to come out is, is a green flag to me, but Mm -hmm. bringing it out is also a green flag because it expands. Like it means that they're also like expanding the capacity and like, it's going to open up the market a lot. And it's like that, that graph that we've seen where, um, the, the, the lower down the spectrum you go, like the more you open up that market to like, the yeah, more it's a highly demand yeah. or price elastic market where exactly. the, you know, you can decrease the price of the vehicle by a couple thousand dollars and it will make a 30, 40, 50% increase in your TAM. Right. Um, can I pull yeah, up a chart is, on this topic? Yeah. Just because so, so people can visualize what we're saying. So go ahead and pull up the last tweet I just shared, producer wife, with the with the line and the and the arrows. Um from Matthias Fons. Go ahead and click on, on that graph. So this is from Matthias Fons. Make sure you go follow him at Fons uh, DK. So this is share of the US car market by revenue addressable by price point in 2021. And so I'll help you read this graph. Uh so the X axis, so the bottom left to right, the bottom were 20, 40, 60, 80. That's uh, the MSRP of a car. Okay, so how much a car costs. And so what this chart implies, if you go to the $60,000 thing on the bottom, you see where the line is around 5%, 6%. That means that cars priced around $60,000 have a share of roughly 5 to 6% market share in the United States. Okay. And if you go down the price curve, so if you go down to 50, like 50, 45 ish, it goes up to 40 to 10%. If you go up to four to, to down to $40,000 MSRP, those cars have a share of about 20%. If you go to 30, uh, 35,000, it's about 25%. If you go to 30,000, it's 35%. If you go to 20,000, right, it's almost 100%. So that yeah. it's this weird spot that Tesla's in that they're right on the cusp of if they drop down their prices, say by $10,000 or $5,000, their market share explodes. Yeah. It's literally a vertical mm-hmm. line. And they can do this either through compact car or through what Rahman just described, getting close to that by introducing lower price models that fit this sort of place. 
the arrows there for the Model Y and Model 3 rear-wheel drive, you can see where those cars are right now. This is based on the EV tax credit being included. So the Model Y long range with the $20,000, excuse me, I wish, the $7,500 price <laughs> uh, incentive from the government implies that the Model Y is working in an addressable market of about 20% of all vehicles sold in the United States. The Model mm -hmm. 3 rear-wheel drive with the EV tax credit is closer to 25%. But if they get to, say, 30%, you automatically add 10% more market share. So if, if the EV car market is 14 million cars per year, 10% additional is an additional 1.4 million customers will consider a Tesla. And if, say, a 20 to 30% of those people say, yep, I want a Tesla, that's an additional, uh, say, 30% of 1.4 is what? Like I call it like... Uh, 450,000. That's an additional 450,000 unit sales in the United States just by dropping the price another 5,000 bucks from 36. So that's 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 how. Uh, just to contextualize what you just described, Hans. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, uh, go no, ahead. that's perfect. I love having that context. And so this is, you know, the Model Three Highland project is one of the things that's directly aimed at addressing this segment, trying to get an even lower priced Model Three out there. Um, and then, you know, the point that Rodman was also making about this green flag slash red flag of having these lower price models come out. One of the things that it does illustrate is Tesla's competitive, uh, position relative to all the other auto manufacturers in the amount of flexibility that they have and the number of levers that they can pull to navigate these tough times coming up that no one else has not only do they have industry leading, like industry destroying profit margins, both gross and net and operating, um, but they also have a very compact lineup of vehicles that are just, you know, they're not that many cars that they sell. It's a very simple vehicle lineup. And so they can both through introduction of next generation platform, but even just, decontenting some of their existing platforms sell lower price vehicles um and then yeah cybertruck is going to be an incredibly high margin product once that gets up and ramped so they they have a lot of they haven't done any marketing like they they just have lever after lever after lever that they can pull and whereas someone like gm they're already, you know, they don't have margins to decrease prices. They're already marketing their cars out the wazoo and they can't sell them or they can't grow sales with the additional marketing that they have. Um, they already offer a bazillion cars. They probably need to actually offer less, not more. Um, and they so, don't yeah. have scale. And not on EVs, they don't. Exactly. So, yeah. 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 Well, they have reverse economies of scale because as they pump out less and less ICE vehicles through their fixed cost factories, like you were talking about earlier, well, now fixed cost absorption gets much higher in each and every ICE vehicle that they sell, which makes it less profitable, which makes it less able to subsidize their transition to EVs. And so, yeah, it, it's just a tough spot to be in for them. For sure. Let me go ahead, Rodman. Please. So the last thing that I really want to point out on this whole, the price decrease and like how that's going to spur like more people being able to buy is that you really have to think about the used car market as well. Um, as the price of these ones go down, 
like the, it's going to push the prices of the used cars down and that's going to allow you know if you can get a used model 3 for around 30,000 like how many people are going to be all over that uh, and if you just go back to that graph real quick you can just look at how many more people like once you start getting down to this 30,000 like like it starts a really rapid slope right so all these cars that get pushed into the secondhand market third hand market even um, it's really just going to like if you think about all the people that will end up in a car that's so much better and when you think about a four to five year old model three like that car is almost as good as a current one because the software has all been updated and they're getting all the features that a new car there's some things that are missing like you won't have boombox and um but like new cars like uh, my my brother one of my brother-in-laws just got one and his doesn't have the vent feature. So he can't press on his screen and have the, I mean, press on his iPhone and like have mm. the windows drop down when he's remotely. But like, I mean, there's just like things that go and come and go, but like, it's still like a model, an old model three is going to be, if it's taken care of well, like the externals, like that car, like, there's no, one of the big problems, like Corey said was, um, I think it was Corey, but like uh, a car, an ICE vehicle, one of the big things that causes wear over time is that it's dealing with all the high vibration and the heat yeah. and like dissipating all that stuff. And that stuff wears on the car over time. And it it's what causes a lot of the value degra degradation of a car because a brand new car perform a brand new ice vehicle performs a lot better than a used ice vehicle, but a EV like there's none of that stuff, right? There's no, there's no, there's not as much wear and tear because of the engine being a, like an exploding, <laughs> like a contained <laughs> explosion every literally, literally. Yeah. So like the, the car just maintains its value because it doesn't wear down as fast. Right. So as yeah. long as you take care of your car, like as long as it's a car that's been taken care of, uh, like the interior and the exterior and the battery isn't like treated like trash, like that car still has a lot of value just because of all the, the technology that is being added through software, right? And we can yeah. talk about like, that's not even with FSD, right? Like there's like features that have been added just like, like lane change, like the lane change cameras came in last year. And then like they have automatic uh, like, lane like the lane change cancellation so you just hit the stock and then when you change when it detects that you finished changing lanes it just turns it off automatically it's like that wasn't a feature like a year ago that wasn't a year yeah. well that wasn't a feature four years ago but now like all these things and like all the software updates it's just as good as like a brand new car so like that's a point that's hard to grasp unless you're an owner yeah. and unless you've actually experienced and I, the more people that get to experience that sort of game-changing nature that your car gets better over time versus it getting worse over time is just uh still not well understood because still most people the majority the 99.9 percent .9 of the global population doesn't own a tesla and so they don't understand this you know it's it's and it's fine it's not good or bad it's just but it's a game-changing paradigm that truly truly changes the economics of owning a car it changes what that asset does and how much value it holds so and i'm and i'm trying not to sound like it's insane fanboy saying it but it's it, that's just what happens when something gets better over time
objectively. <laughs> right. I mean, you know? I, I got I got the, I got a tweet <laughs> response from someone. It's like that's what I would expect from a Tesla fanboy like you. And then I was like, but it's. It's, it's true. It's, it's just it's facts, dude. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's so strange. Uh, let me show one more if tweet. If you knew and then all we'll... the true things, you'd be a fanboy too. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cult. Let's do it. Just kidding. Uh, go ahead and uh, bring up a uh, the, the tweet I just sent you, um, the one that I asked you to stage, producer wife, with the, uh, with the little chart. Perfect. So I just want to throw out one more data set as we're talking about the what it means for Tesla to enter the sort of lower price level. Um, so if Tesla is able to offer a Model Y configuration, say like a standard range plus real wheel drive, as an example, just let's just assume that's the configuration. That's about $45,000 MSRP. So about $7,000 lower than where the dual motor long range is right now at 52.9. If they can get to 45-ish, it'll be cheaper to operate over eight years than the lowest trim Toyota RAV4. So if you go ahead and click on that chart real quick, producer wife, I can sort of contextualize this for folks that are uh, data nerds. So the math that I used is I introduced the uh, the uh, EV tax credit. I introduced uh, a fuel car and a 45,000. What did I do wrong here? Something's wrong. I messed something up. The math doesn't check out because new net EV tax credit implies 50,000. So what, what did I say? 45,000 on the tweet. So maybe it's 50,000 MSRP. Anyway, if you can get the total cost of, I don't know. No, that's right. Because that implies a $52,000 at 50,000. You bring it down. So, okay, no, no, never mind. It, it, I'm just, I'm just a crazy person right now, but this is essentially what I'm saying. The Model Y all-wheel drive standard range that's in that you could sometimes get an inventory from time to time. Net EV credits, if you take out the $7,500 tax credit, it nets out to $43,490. With the fuel cost over eight years at $3.30 per gallon for, for the Toyota RAV4, it gets about 30 miles combined, miles per gallon combined. Over eight years, at RAV4 LE costs about $12,500 to run in fuel. The Model Y costs about $5,000 in electricity uh, at 117 miles per gallon equivalent over eight years with a, a average rate for electricity of 16 cents per kilowatt hour. And then the maintenance, which I drew from Car Edge, and I think this is conservative, to be completely honest, for the Model Y, um, but I'm just going to throw it out there. It's $3,700 over eight years for the Model Y. For the RAV4, it's $4,400. Prop to the RAV4, they're extremely reliable gas cars. That's why their maintenance is so low. But that gap between the existing Model Y all-wheel drive long range after the EV tax credits and fuel savings and maintenance savings versus a Toyota RAV4 LE, which is the lowest trim Toyota RAV4 you can buy right now, is about a $6,000 to $7,000 gap between those two over eight years. If Tesla can offer a model that's about that much lower, they now have a competitor that's straight a straight competitor to the best-selling SUV in the United States with the RAV4. They, it's a sep, six to seven thousand dollar gap. That's all they need to do. Um, and I want to contextualize that because the RAV4 LE, the Toyota, Toyota's probably making I don't know six percent margin on that, maybe five percent uh, with the base level and no trims. Theoretically, if Tesla wanted to sell a Model Y that had the same margin as a Toyota 4LE, they could do it today if they really wanted to. But then there's two things that they don't have. They don't have the scale to sell <laughs> millions of these per year yet, but but it's the levers there. 
And so this right here, I think it encapsulates just what's about to happen to the car market. It's that the scaling of Tesla is going to really ramp. I really do believe so. And, you know, people can spin this whole thing. You're spinning the price decrease as a positive. Okay, but it is. <laughs> it is a positive. It means that Tesla is going to have more market share. And it means that they're going to be able to ramp their production. It means they're going to be able to leverage their manufacturing expertise. So I'm going to shut up now and give it to you guys. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I just want to reiterate, if they can do that rear wheel drive version, right? Like that's going to even make it like even closer, right? Because it's... A Sorry, is that um, is that Toyota Rav Four? That's a four wheel drive, all wheel drive. No, four wheel drive, the front wheel drive. Okay, it's front wheel it's drive. Bare oh. bones, bare bones Rav Four LE versus a Model Y all wheel drive standard range Tesla. Oh like There's only a s it's only a six thousand dollar difference, and the, I mean, forget about the performance. The the Model yeah. Y can do it in five seconds. The Rav Four takes two years to get to sixty. <laughs> two okay. Years. Just, right. I'm kind of being an idiot, I, but you know what I, I mean. I just want yeah. to say, like, if you have a rear wheel drive, I, I took a model, my, I took my Model Three into the snow in a rear wheel drive, and like it, like, like I've had, I had a, we had a BMW, we've had BMWs that were rear wheel drive in snow, and like the way the difference is like insane because of yeah. the way control. the traction control is just like insane. It's like because and of, the weight, yeah, go ahead. I was just and the weight, like the weight. Oh yeah, yeah. Distribution, it's much more planted in the rear than a, an internal combustion engine where you've got your engine up front. So having that nice oh. center of gravity, low center of gravity, both, and then a heavier vehicle really helps the way but that it, it, it handles it's also, the snow. It's also because the lag time between you putting an input on the pedal or taking your foot off the pedal. And having an, or or let's say the lag time between it detecting that there's slippage in a wheel and the amount of time it takes to alter that wheel, like it's so much faster than like having mm -hmm. to let off like okay we need to decrease the amount of gasoline going into the engine and then we have to wait for it to go through and like hit like all the different link linkages or I guess it'd probably be more, and then like getting the brakes to work but it just because it can just tell the motor like instantly as fast as electri electricity travels, like it's controlling that motor so finely that like, like we were just driving through and I was like, I was, I was really worried because there was like two or three inches of snow and we were going up hills and there's like cars sliding back down the hill and we're just no, like, sure. I'll go around and we just like, we just flew up the hill mm -hmm. and I was like, this is crazy. And it was the first time I had driven that car in snow. Uh, like just the amount of confidence I had and it had. And then like, if you, then you throw in all-wheel drive and it's like game over. Like it's such a good car in snow. But I'm sure there's like people out there that like drive in snow regularly. I'm in California. Mm -hmm. I don't. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. My dad, uh, my dad has a model range, uh, model three real wheel drive long range uh, and they get snow in PA and he's driven it once already, but he didn't had a lot of snow, but he's like, I'm like, are you worried? He's like, no, <laughs> Yeah, I ain't worried. So the, the car yeah. is like, so and it's on all, and it's on all seasons too. So, yeah. um, <laughs> Hans, I know you have a, a video you want to show us. Go ahead and, uh, and uh, walk us through what you want to, yeah. Well, yeah, so this is just really an expansion on, and maybe if we could slide the time forward just a couple seconds. We don't have to watch the video, um, but this was your conversation this week with Tom Nash, and he dug into, so there's, there's one point, uh, yeah, keep going, maybe... Maybe in the 30 range, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we can get that, 
chart as big as we can right in the middle. Um, so this is a pricing curve. What do you like? Is there a specific name for this Farzad? The Laffer curve? Isn't it? Do you, oh, yeah, like, a, so like a normal distribution, I guess you want to call it? Like, is that... Yeah, I didn't know if within pricing it had a different name. So in yeah, taxes, this is called a, a Laffer curve. And so, yeah, you've got an ideal price, a break-even price on an upper bound and a lower bound. And so it's trying to like, how do you make the most money on a product? And so you kind of have some wiggle room between there's don't want to sell your product for less than it costs you to make if you want to make a profit on that product. But then there's also a price point at which if you raise the the price too high, you'll literally sell zero units. And so that's kind of your lower bound and your upper bound on the range over which you can make profit on this product. And this doesn't really take into account elasticity of demand or those types of things too well. Um, somewhat, but that ideal price there in the middle is the place where you make the most dollars, not the most, not the best gross margins, the most dollars. So the further away from, or, you know, to the right you go, the higher your profit margins are. But if you go too far that way, you don't sell enough units to end up making more money. Um, and then vice versa. If you go the other direction, you, <clears throat> can sell more units, but you're not making enough profit margin to maximize the dollars worth of profit that you bring in. And so this is the model that you can use to say, okay, what's the way that I can maximize dollars of profit, not profit margins, but dollars of profit that I make on a product. And so the thought here was that at release time, the Model Y and the Model 3 were roughly pretty close to that ideal price right in the middle there where they're maximizing dollars but through 2021 2020 2021 and even somewhat into 2022 we had so much demand and not enough supply that in order to keep the wait times from going out a year tesla was able to move all the way down the right side of that curve say maybe halfway in between the ideal price and the break-even price on maximum because that's all the supply that they had relative to the amount of demand that there was and so we were running at way inflated gross margins but if they could have waved a magic wand and produced as many cars as they wanted to that they would have made a lot more money by bringing the price back to that ideal price which is probably um, somewhere closer to where the prices are today. And so these price cuts, while they may be a reduction in overall gross margin, that um, this gets us back a lot closer to the release price of these vehicles. And then if we assume that we've got some cost of goods sold improvement over time through the production processes, you know, maybe raw materials are costing us a little bit more, maybe labor's costing us a little bit more right now, but hopefully we've had some process improvements to where that's kind of offsetting that, that we could be, these prices starting a week ago could be close to that ideal price that maximizes the total amount of revenue. And then, yeah, if you then say, okay, that's the price that Tesla lists. Oh, and by the way, now we've got a 
EV tax incentives that are $7,500 to most consumers on most models, well, then that is just pure money in the bank um, that drives their demand. So now they have almost an unlimited demand at their ideal price. And we we may very well see insane EPS numbers um, that really blow expectations out of the water at the end of Q1. Not investment advice. Yeah. Um, or financial advice. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. By the way, shout out Tom. If you don't go, uh, if you don't know Tom Nash, uh, make sure you go check out his channel. He's my Russian brother from another mother. Uh, he is not a plant or a spy. I asked him behind the closed doors and he said, no way, Jose. I don't know Putin. I'm giving a hard time. I love that guy. Um, so the, what it's like, <laughs> again, I go back to, if, if I say what I'm about to say, I'm going to sound like a crazy like a crazy fanboy. And and I guess I am. I guess I am, right? But the lack of understanding or or, or the lack of willingness for folks to be honest about this discussion, that the price decreases are indeed a good thing for Tesla long term, is uh, I I feel like it's kind of like either highlights a, a certain level of dishonesty or uh, it highlights that there hasn't been enough due diligence done in the sector that you're covering. Because the, the fact that Tesla doesn't have a dealership network, I think in itself, within all this context that we talked about and what Sandy brought up, is really what I believe the nail in the coffin that says Tesla will 100% become a mass market manufacturer that is able that is able that is going to be able to retain class leading margins for the long term, because they have an entire piece of the puzzle that every single other person uses in the United States that's driving costs up to the consumer. And as you're riding this price curve down, every single dollar you can yank from that from that ability to get that car out to the customer becomes a huge competitive advantage, especially if those companies you're going up against haven't invested nearly as much in the scale of the new technology that's coming out. Mm-hmm. And there is a reason why companies like Ford, uh, GM, and Volkswagen, and everybody else are trying to start where Tesla started, which is at the top of the price range. They're trying to go low volume, high price first. Low volume, high price first. We can't even talk about the Chinese manufacturers in this respect because I, I do. They're doing it differently, and they have a completely different backing, which bodes very poorly for everybody else except probably Mm -hmm. Tesla here, right? But but there's a reason why these manufacturers are doing that is because they don't have the scale to go to the lower levels to make money. And then you layer on the dealership network on top of it, forget it. Because because then they, they would have to artificially, they have to artificially prop up the cost of the vehicle, essentially, or they have to artificially, they're, they're going to have to try to get the car produced at such a price so that when it gets to the dealership, the customer is willing to pay that price and then the dealership and the manufacturer both make money. So you've introduced this giant uh, a variable into the equation mm-hmm. that for anybody who's been following Tesla, I feel like everybody understands this very well. Even even folks that you know don't follow Tesla, they understand the dealership model really well. But this is where that equation breaks for everybody who has a dealership network. Because if you're really trying to get to the affordable price, 
your dealership ain't going to try to pocket the money. It's going to be Tesla. And Tesla, if they really want to win and maximize the capacity and advance the admin of sustainable transport, like Hansa said, you drop those levers, you pull those levers that lower the cost as low as humanly possible, and you're doing so in such an efficient manner that the only comp- the only place that loses, quote unquote, is one entity, and that's Tesla. Whereas if anybody else had to do that, you impact an entire supply chain, an entire service network, and an entire dealer network. And that in itself is super complex. And we only have to go back to what Corey said on the video with Sandy, that the top richest people in Michigan, some of the top richest people in Michigan are dealership owners. Why is that? Because they've been skimming off the top this whole time Mm -hmm. in mass market vehicle manufacturing. And folks, I don't think might be up to speed yet that... Tesla, realistically, from from the research I've done and the research I'm sure you guys have done and everybody who's probably watching this video or most people have, is that because, you know, we're also obsessed with the story, (laughs) is that um, the only true real mass market EV manufacturer on planet Earth outside of a couple players in, in China is Tesla. And everybody else is playing catch up and some of them are extremely behind. And now this is where the the tire meets the road. We are now at the point with these price decreases where the tire is meeting the road. And only those that are best positioned to come out with a mass market affordable car are going to be able to win. And I can only think of one car company that can do that. That's not Chinese. From the US. Yep. From the US. Um, The thing that it makes me think of that it, it doesn't tie in the dealership network part, but the thing that it reminds me of back in the late 90s, early 2000s, when Walmart was just rolling out super centers all across the country and you lived in a smallish town that finally you were going to get a Walmart and you knew all the mom and pop grocery shops and little things like those places were hosed. Why was that? Well, Walmart had a scale that those other little stores could not compete with. They had pricing power that those stores could not compete with. They just had a whole host of advantages And so, you know, someone's going to say, yeah, well, GM's way bigger than some mom and pop shop. Not when it comes to EVs. Tesla is the Walmart of EVs in this analogy. They make way more than anybody else apart from BYD, who has a long way to go just to satisfy the demand in China. Um, You know, and then another point that Corey made on y'all's discussion this week that was great was more than likely the next battleground for Chinese EV makers is not the United States, it's Europe. And so that does, you know, give GM and Ford and the local people a little bit more time. Um, But yeah, when you've got a company at the scale of Tesla that still doesn't have those lower end vehicles that BYD has and will get there, um, man, that's just scary. Yeah, I would just think, for me in my mind, like the whole US market is like not really up for debate anymore. Like I, I just like if you're if you're paying attention, there's a lot of signs that they're just they're they're not agile, they're not fast enough to respond to the changes necessary to make to get them to the next stage. They might have some kind of existence supporting the existing ICE vehicle fleets, but I just don't see them getting to a scale that's necessary to actually survive. Uh, it's just too late, too little, 
And it's, it's so like the real thing that I'm starting to focus on and pay a lot more attention to are the people talking about BYD versus Tesla. Mm -hmm. And like, and BYD, like, like there's a lot of people who are, who we just don't have a lot of exposure to those vehicles. Mm -hmm. But um, like, I, I do see people talking about it and either that have that exposure or who have been paying attention. And, you know, it's hard to say that BYD is ahead because because of the influence of hybrid vehicles, but mm -hmm. there is definitely a clear, there are people who can show you vehicles of electric vehicles made by Chinese manufacturers that are selling and they're not, they're, they're pretty close to the prices that Tesla is selling. And they have features that Tesla doesn't while Tesla has features that the others won't. But you can talk about FSD, but like FSD isn't really working there yet. Uh, it's not clear how well it's working yet there or when it will be available there. So like, that's not really a thing you can rely on. So I think there is more to worry about in that market. Like mm -hmm. as far as a competitive, like it's not a place where Tesla should be complacent. And, you know, if they were to sure. do something like create create like some kind of variant of the model three or Y that catered more to the Chinese population, like what they want in a car. And there was like one configuration for that. That's something that I would see as a really, like really good green flag. Yeah. Right. That's why I think that yeah. the, I think the compact's coming out in China next year. I'm convinced. Yeah. I'm convinced. Yeah, but it still has to be, it's not just the price. This has to be lower, but even when people are shopping for, you know, this price, they are expecting something that's very similar the to a German has to be competitive. Car, right? Yeah. It, mm -hmm. it, it's really like, it's this, it's beyond styling. It's like, Tesla has a great interior, but you would not, it's really hard to call it a luxury interior, even in the Model S and X. Like, it's very toned down. And maybe people are used to having those vehicles kind of toned up, right? Um, and, and I think that is something that people do want like here like i do see people buying those bmw whatever i think it's the i4 like the suv and it's like when i saw monroe's tear or like their review of it it's like it's got like these crystal like things in it and it's just like it's so garish to me um that i was like i can't believe that's in bmws but that's what they have to do mm. to like compel people back to these vehicles right because they have no substance underneath. They have to put all these, yeah. like it has to look like a Swarovski store inside for people <laughs> to want to go inside, right? Yeah, it's just culturally, that's what they expect. Real quick, uh, before I throw it to you over uh, Hans and then I'll, I'll uh, then we'll do Q&A for a brief moment. So real quick, Dan Ives, uh, fellow Penn Stater, we are, for anybody in the comments, we are. Uh, Dan Ives from Dives Tech, at Dives Tech. Um, our proprietary China EV survey this week had nearly 70% responded that the most recent price cuts have positively influenced their decision to more likely purchase a Tesla Y, proving the price cuts have been a home run success out of the gate. China EV survey bullish for Tesla. So this is a sort of Dan Ives firm doing a survey in Tesla. So 
kind of along the lines of what you're talking about, Tesla not being complacent and stuff, some of the data sets coming in from the recent price decreases, at least if Dan's data is uh, correct and representative, which, you know, I, I think he's put out really good research in the past. So I do trust his data sets. I do believe that this is a, a good representation of what's going on, but that doesn't sort of explain, it doesn't, doesn't make up the fact that for them to continue to be successful in the future is price cuts and awesome cars and awesome features and to ensure that people want to own the car. But this is a very good uh, first data point here. I just wanted to share just along the lines you were yeah, saying. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, Hans, go ahead, and then we'll do a brief Q&A, and we'll go over to our uh, Discord discussion. Yeah, we can, we can move straight to Q&A. You sure? Okay, yep. perfect. All right, so we'll do that for about uh, five, 10 minutes. Um, for those that uh, have just joined your channel, thank you very much. Don't forget to hit the like if you enjoy what you're seeing so far. Every Friday, we do a community forum with uh, members of my community for about an hour and a half. And then for the last hour, we take it over to our Discord, uh, our private Discord, and we have a uh, basically a, a conversation within our community about whatever topics the community wants to talk about. So if you want to be part of that group, consider becoming a patron using the link in the description below or joining through YouTube right below this video, clicking the join button. Um, sales. All right. Uh, go ahead and uh, pull up some questions, producer wife, and uh, we'll hit a few and then we'll go. Uh, John Bay, question. Do you think Mexico will be the next official announced Gigafactory? Seems like we get this question every week. Uh, I think, um, was it one of you guys that predicted that? No, I think it was Nicholas said that they would do more than one. Um, yeah. I think if there's an announcement for this, it'll come investor day on March 1st. Uh, there might be more than one, but I really believe Mexico is going to be part of the equation. What do you guys think? I would agree. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, wherever they put it, I think, I think location is is uh, impactful, but I think them announcing a new Gigafactory period is is positive, regardless. Um, location, I'm not so much worried about it, but it, it implies great things for the local economy in Mexico. I do want to see yeah them move ahead with the expansion in China. That's a that's a big one. Yeah, um, and I think that I'm of the camp. You know, a lot of people are predicting a lot more locations. I think we do need more than we have, but I don't think we need as many more as 10 um, that a lot of people have said, just because I think bring that up on the on the main screen so we can look at this live uh i think it's just going to be a, a product of supply and demand but if you track inventories right now i think they've kind of hit uh a relative equilibrium but what do you guys think go ahead and click on model y on the new new and existing inventory it's like the second section on their inventory data you see where it says model y yeah perfect click on that so this is inventory levels for Model Y for the last 120 days. And all the way to the right, you can see 
um, sort of the inventory has leveled off. So they came out with a huge price decrease in, uh, what was that, January 10th, uh, 12th, 12th-ish, 11th, uh, 13th maybe. And then there was a huge drop in U.S. new Model Y inventory levels in the United States. And then for the last, call it week, it has stabilized around, call it uh, 300 new Model Ys in inventory on average. Uh, and then we're entering the weekend, and I'm curious to see if we're going to see another drop on the weekend because that's when people usually go to dealerships and buy cars. But um, what do you think, uh, Rodman? And we'll get Hans here back once oh, he's got his camera back. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I mean... What's fascinating to me is if it is a mega pack or if energy focused factory, I think that implies a pretty insane valuation for the company in the long term. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make comments on the stock price as it relates to this. How do you guys I think, think it's this? less likely to be a mega pack factory unless they have a different lithium source than the Texas place, because he was talking about reaching volume on the lithium refining in about two years and knowing that that's ambitious. Um, so it's too early to be announcing a location in Mexico that would be significantly relying on that lithium supply. Um, but they could, if they have a separate supply of lithium for it, it could potentially be but i think the most likely is probably still cars okay so donald i'll answer this in a different way let's pretend that mexican gigafactory is becomes a thing i would just say that if if it if it happens tesla will always optimize everything right so if if there's space and there's lithium coming in i would expect batteries to be built and they'd possibly go to mega packs um but yeah it's just kind of hard to say but I, I just i would expect that if if it makes sense and there's highly logical people there they're going to optimize the heck out of everything and it's gonna they're gonna do what makes sense and that does make sense that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> all right let's do uh let's do one last one we're getting meta here now which one's producer wife gonna pick max pelletier is that French? Thank you, Max. Question. What is your reaction regarding Archimoda's closing of their factory? And what does this mean for Rivian, Lucid, Aptera, etc.? Um, it's freaking hard to be a manufacturer of, of anything that's large. And um, Archimoda is probably going to be one of many. Uh, 
I think there are some in that list that will survive. I do think Lucid will survive because they have a ton of Saudi backing and they'll just figure out how to make it work because they have basically endless money. Uh, Rivian, I want to survive, but I, that's just a, it just becomes a function of how much cash they have versus what their production ramp looks like. Um, how do you guys think about this? I mean, each one's an independent company, right? So, um, like there were figures for Lucid producing, outproducing their deliveries by a pretty significant margin. So that's not a good sign. Aptera, I think they're still pretty young. They still haven't started the production. So they're kind of in a better spot because they haven't sunk a lot of costs into building factories yet. I mean, I'm not completely up to date on all these companies, but. And then Rivian. Yeah, scary for Cybertruck coming up. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. The the one with Rivian is how much money does Jeff Bezos want to sink into that to make sure that he doesn't ever have to buy Tesla anything. <laughs> um, so it's similar in some ways to the Saudi backing for Lucid and hopefully that holds up for Lucid so that they can eventually come down market. The thing that I keep, well, first of all, remember, Prototypes are easy, production is hard. So Elon was telling us that this was likely for a lot of these companies for a long time. Um, and that was the place that Arkimoto got stuck. They just didn't have the speed, uh, the agility. Like it was a red flag that it took them so long just to get the product right. So if it took them that long to get the product right, the likelihood that they could go from there to then, then doing the hardest thing, which is scaling production, was low uh unfortunately i love the product and was really excited both for the the fub and the mlm um so it is kind of sad to see hopefully someone can acquire at least their ip if not uh their assets and get that back up off the ground but we'll just have to yeah, wait and see where that goes the other thing that i think about is when elon made those comments about how a lot of these companies are going to go bankrupt I think he knew what he was going to have to do. And um, there's a account on Twitter that's Tesla Thomas, I believe, that I was reading. He worked directly with, was it Jerome Guillen potentially back in 2012, 2013? And he was saying that this, these price cuts that we just had were basically on the roadmap that Jerome Guillen had in his mind 10 years ago. Nice. And that this was basically something that Tesla has known that they would, as they drive down the cost of, like once they reach scale, then they're gonna really turn the screws on the rest of the auto industry to push them forward. And so I wonder if basically Elon knew that he was gonna go so aggressive on making sure that EVs happen and doing everything necessary, not leaving this to chance, not leaving this to anyone else, that in the process of doing that, he was gonna make it so hard for any other competitors to survive that he was basically yeah. gonna drive nails in the coffin for the other companies. And it's not that he doesn't want them to succeed, it's that that's what is necessary to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy because no one else is going to be able to reach the type of scale necessary to accelerate that on a meaningful time frame. You got it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And and like it, it again, it goes comes back to if Tesla is really going to become a mass market EV manufacturer, they cannot 
become mass market selling cars at over $50,000. It's just impossible. There will not be enough people buying vehicles. So the, the, the investing thesis, though, is that when Tesla is a mass market vehicle maker making 10 million cars a year, their goal of 20 million cars per year, a, a lot of the bulls would say, myself included, that they can do this at a lot at, at very high profit margins because mm -hmm. of how low their cost basis will become because of how good they're going to be in manufacturing in relation to every other player on planet Earth for at least a five, 10 years. And that is the investing thesis for Tesla. I, I would encourage everybody to, at the very least, attempt to view the lens through that. Try to try to look through it there and just throw out the PE for Ford, throw out the PE for GM. Well, car maker, mass market manufacturers getting a five PE. Great, that's because they're bloated as hell and nobody's buying them anymore and they're not growing. <laughs> they're just not growing, right? So it's a reflection of that. So and do the math. do the profits suck. Exactly. And they're, and they're burdened by a dealership network and uh, a certain work culture, right? So th that becomes the investing thesis is even if Tesla does become mass market and even if their average selling price goes down to $30,000 per vehicle, what's their average cost basis? Can they get to $15,000 per vehicle? Can they get to $20,000 per vehicle? And if they can, and if manufacturing costs is say eighteen dollars to $20,000 per vehicle and they're selling them on average from between twenty eight dollars and $30,000, that's a lot, a lot more palatable for the traditional consumer, especially in five to 10 years with inflation, that is still... A 33% margin, a 33% margin for a mass market manufacturer is completely bananas. That's the math. And then I think for me as a bull, that is how I'm looking at it. And I think long term, that's realistic. But anyway, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to take it to the private discord. If you want to join us, Patreon link in the description. Join us through YouTube below. Hans, Rodman, thank you all very much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, everyone Happy out birthday. there. Uh, yeah, thank you. And by the way, these guys put together a, one of the cutest things I've ever seen. I showed my wife this morning when she woke up, and I was like, my heart melted. So thank you. That was so, and I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm not going to share it with anybody. Thank you all very <laughs> <Okay>. much. <laughs> Seriously. Because that was, that meant a lot. Honestly, you guys are incredible. I'm so lucky to have you guys. Seriously. Um, all right, everybody. Come join us on Discord, Patreon, or YouTube. Link below. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye, everyone. Have a great weekend.